thank God today, and this is Pastor Adams, the president and the founder of Truth Matters Ministries. And we're so thankful today that you've taken time to join our Truth Matters broadcast. And what we're going to do in our podcast today is we're going to continue in our area of identifying and overcoming the objections that so many atheists and so many agnostics and skeptics have to intelligent design and creation. So before we get into this particular teaching today, we're going to just stop and we're going to pray for a minute. We thank God for all things today. And Lord, we come before your presence with exceeding joy. We thank you for how you blessed us, Lord, to slumber and sleep last night. Lord, you kept us from the thief that goeth by night and the arrow that flies by day. You protected us from intrusion. You allowed us, Lord, to have activity of our limbs. The blood is still flowing warm through our veins. We're clothed in our right mind. And even though so many people are dying, so many people are sick and they're being plagued by COVID-19, there's so many more, Lord, that are clothed in their right mind and they have a reasonable portion of health and strength. We thank you today for that person who has lost their loved one. We pray for them today. We know that you are the lover of their soul. And we know that you, God, are he that will be with them even in the midnight hour, in their darkest hour, when their world seems to be crashing in and falling apart, when they have no idea how they're going to make it tomorrow, how they're going to make it through the day. We know that you care for them. We pray for every person who is outside of the ark of safety, those who are not born again, those who don't have a relationship with you. We pray, Lord, that they will give heed, that they will give ear, that they will humble themselves under the mighty hand of God, that they might receive your wondrous free gift of salvation. We pray for everyone who tuned into this podcast, and may they be richly blessed thereby. And we're just so thankful today for those who joined. And we're mindful of the words that were spoken by Blaise Pascal, wherein he said that truth is so obscure in these days and falsehoods are so well established that unless men love the truth, they can't find it. And we're thankful for so many minister partner, ministry partners. We're thankful for Dr. Ravi Zacharias. We thank God for the contributions of Frank Turek, John Ankenberg, Dr. Michael Youssef, Hank Hanegraaff, Dr. Layton Flowers, Vadi Bachman, and Dr. William Lane Craig. We're so thankful for the great, the great pastor, P.J. Morton here um, in Atlanta. We're so thankful for Dr. Morton and his great ministry here in Atlanta. We're so thankful for all the men and women of God who have taken the bloodstained banner and they are standing up and they're declaring that Jesus is Lord. And today we're going to jump back into our overcoming objections to intelligent design. And we're going to just start off with objection number six within Darwinism. And that that particular objection is what is called creation is or ID is nothing but creationism in a cheap tuxedo suit. Darwinists and the media regularly confuse ID with traditional traditional creationism. Why is that? Their intent is to discredit it. 
in their minds, creationism has no intellectual credibility. So to refer to intelligent design as creationism is meant to ensure that ID likewise will be denied intellectual credibility. This is why Leonard Krishtaka, professor of the University of Kansas, he famously referred to ID as creationism in a cheap tuxedo. Creationism and ID, however, are quite distinct. I want everyone to really uh, consider that. Creationism holds that a supreme being created the universe. Creationists come in two varieties. There's what is called the young earth creationist, and then there's the old earth creationist. And if you're born again today, you either fall in one of those schools of thought. Young earth creationists interpret Genesis as teaching that creation took place in six 24-hour days, that the universe is between six and 10,000 years old, and that most fossils were deposited during Noah's global flood. Old earth creationists, however, they, on the other hand, allow a wider range of interpretations of Genesis. They accept a contemporary scientific dating which places the Earth, the age of it, around 4.5 billion years old, and the universe at about 13.7 billion years old. They accept microevolution as God's method of adapting existing species to their changing environments, but they reject macroevolution, which is the large-scale transformation of one species into a completely different species. So we as Christians, we acknowledge that there is some adaptation and evolution that takes place in the world. That's called microevolution, meaning if people lived in Africa and it was a very hot Saharan type of environment, they develop an adapted melanin in their skin to offset the rays of the sun. Those who lived in much cooler climates, such as in northern Europe, they had lighter skin because they adapted to their environment. The same thing is true in so many different areas of the world. So, ID, but ID, though often confused with creation sciences, it is quite different from it. Rather than being with some particular interpretation of Genesis as young earth and old earth creationists typically do, ID begins with investigating the natural world. ID looks for patterns in nature that are best explained as the product of intelligence. Given what the world reveals about itself, ID proponents reason that a designing intelligence best explains certain patterns in nature. And it's so important to make that distinction. The great difference between ID and creation science then is that ID relies not on prior assumptions about divine activity in the world, but on methods developed within the scientific population by recognizing intelligence. Even John Judge in the Kitzmiller versus Dover trial that we mentioned in previous podcasts, he recognized that ID proponents do not base their theory on the book of Genesis, a young earth or a catastrophic Noachic flood, despite insistent comparisons of the media with creation science, ID is actually quite different from it. Although a majority of ID proponents believe in some form of creation, and indeed many of them are Christians. So once again, this argument has been deemed insufficient. 
So we look at objection number seven. What is that by the agnostics, the atheists, and the skeptic? It says that intelligent design is religiously motivated. Okay, according to many critics of ID or design proponents, they oppose evolution not because they have fairly assessed the evidence for it, but because they are religiously motivated. In particular, critics suppose that design theorists worry that Darwinianism undermines traditional morality. Now, it is true historically that Darwinianism has been used to undercut traditional morality. History professor Richard Weikert, for instance, details how Darwinism has been used to justify things such as eugenics, abortion, and racism in his must-read book, From Darwin to Hitler. I recommend that anyone in our listening audience today grab a hold of that book called From Darwin to Hitler. It will really give you some really great facts and truths to defend creation and intelligent design in the world. Although the, te- the, the tension between Darwinianism and traditional morality is undoubtedly fascinating and noteworthy, design theorists reject Darwinism for a more basic reason. It's lack of scientific support. It's just that simple. Design theorists oppose Darwinian evolution because natural selection acting on random variation gives no evidence of being able to account for the diversity and the complexity of life found in nature. Biochemist Michael Behe, who is a Roman Catholic and perhaps the best-known design theorist, has repeatedly declared that his opposition to Darwinian evolution stems not from religious reasons, but on account of the scientific data. Behe had no theological problem wedding Darwinian evolution with his Catholic faith. The issue for Behe was the lack of evidence for evolution and the positive case for design. Even if design proponents were religiously motivated, how would that render their their findings unscientific? Tell me how. Why is motivation even relevant? The motivation of scientists is immaterial to the status of their research. Cambridge physicist Stephen Hawking hoped that his work in physics would help us understand the mind of God. Nobel laureate Steven Weinberg hopes his work in physics will help destroy religion. He said, I hope that this, the destruction of religion, is something to which science can contribute. And if it is, then I think it may be the most important contribution that we can make. Weinberg is no less of a scientist than Hawking's because of his atheistic motivations. And Hawking's is no less of a scientist than Weinberg because of his theistic motivations. Likewise, intelligent design is no less of a science because it proponents happen to be motivated one way or another. The real question for intelligent design is not motivation, but evidence. Philosopher Francis Beckwith explains that labeling a point of view or the motive of its proponents, religious or non-religious, contributes to nothing to one's assessment of the quality of the arguments for their point of view. Either the arguments work or they don't work. Or more modestly, they are either reasonable or they're unreasonable. They're either plausible or implausible. So once again, this actually gives us great faith and it gives us 
great ammunition to do to destroy the argument that motivation destroys intelligent design. Let's take a look at objection number eight. Agnostic skeptics and atheists, they say that ID is a science stopper. And since it's a science stopper, they suggest that it goes against science, so therefore it cannot be legitimate or viable. Design critics regularly warn warn the public that allowing intelligent design into science will either destroy science or significantly deter its progress. According to science writer Michael Shermer, for example, he says the point of ID movement is not to expand scientific understanding, but he said it's to shut it down. But the truth is the complete opposite. By rigidly excluding ID from science, Darwinists themselves impede scientific progress. Consider junk DNA. Just consider that for a minute. The word junk suggests that it's a useless portions of DNA have arisen together through a blind, unguided process of evolution. That was the hypothesis. Evolutionary theorists thus have come to regard only a small portion of the DNA as functional. By contrast, if DNA is the product of design, we would expect much of it to be functional. I want you all to stay with me. This is important to understand. Current research indicates that much of what was previously termed as junk DNA is now known to have function. This finding has become so well known in the scientific community that the popular press has picked up on it. In a recent Newsweek article, Mary Carmichael describes the transformation in how DNA is understood. Researchers have realized that this forgotten part of the genome is, in fact, profoundly important. It contains the machinery that flips on all the switches, manipulating much of the rest of the genome. Genes make up only 1.2% of our DNA. The rest of the DNA, once called junk DNA, was thought to be a filler. Recent finds proved just the opposite. Design thus encourages scientists to look for deeper insight into nature, whereas Darwinian evolution discourages. The criticism that design stifles scientific progress is therefore completely mistaken. The criticism applies more readily to Darwinism than to design. And once again, the skeptic, the agnostic, and the atheist have proven to be incorrect. And the next objection is objection number nine. And what it says is that intelligent design is inherently religious and not scientific. And and the premise there is that, well, since they believe that it's a religious motivation, that it's a religious approach, then it can't have any scientific um, content in it. One of the most common tactics that critics of design employ is to label ideas religious rather than scientific. According to philosopher of biology, David Hull, Darwin rejected design not just because he thought the evidence was against it, because he thought it wasn't even scientific. Darwin dismissed it not because it was incorrect science or didn't have a correct science explanation, but because it was not a proper scientific explanation at all. Critics accordingly suppose design to be an inherently religious idea. How can this be? 
As noted earlier, ID studies patterns in nature that are best explained as a result of intelligence. Many special or specific sciences already study such patterns and draw agency or design inferences. Examples include forensic science. Agency did not, did that person die? They'll ask a question, did that person die of natural causes or was it fall play? And in archaeology, design asks, is that arrowhead was it formed by a man or was it just a naturally formed rock? It is scientifically legitimate to recognize the work of an intelligent agent, even if the identity of that agent is unknown, as is often the case in archaeology. Critics counter that we cannot apply design to biology because we only have experience with human designers. And any designer in biology would be non-human. So they say that it's not li- it's not viable. But just think about it for a minute. The science of design, however, do not apply merely to human designers. We have evidence of animals that design things. Beavers build dams that we recognize as designed. Ants design homes. And if you dig into the ground and you really pull up the actual home of ants, it is filled with design. Spiders design webs. How can you look at a spider web and not see design? Design also need not be restricted to to the earth only. The search for extraterrestrial intelligence or the SETI program, which was seen in the movie Contact, is well-established scientific program that attempts to identify radio signals sent from outer space by intelligent agents. The working assumption of SETI is that we can distinguish an intelligently produced signal from what is just random noise. Some critics discount ID because its designer is supposed to be unobservable. These same critics, however, often will turn around and postulate the many worlds hypothesis. What do I mean by that? That the multiple universes exist. To discount how finely tuned the laws of physics are to allow for the emergence and the subsistence of life. If we are only one of many universes, critics surmise, then it shouldn't surprise us that we find ourselves in a universe uniquely crafted for our existence. The existence of multiple universes has never been observed. In fact, they are such that they will never be observed. They're too far apart. Does this mean that many worlds hypothesis is rendered unscientific? Of course it doesn't. Science often progresses by proposing theoretical entities that have yet to be observed and even may be unobservable because of their explanatory power. Observability is therefore not necessary of a condition for an explanation to be scientific. Macroevolution has never been observed, yet it is still considered scientific. Another common way of excluding ID from science is to charge that science only deals with what is repeatable. What are you talking about there, Pastor Adams? That nature's designs are unrepeatable. That's the suggestion. And the problem is that scientists study many things that are unrepeatable, such as the Big Bang. That's not repeatable. Or the origin of life. That's not repeatable. Scientists have no clue how to repeat either of these these events in a laboratory, yet they are clearly within the realm of science. 
If repeatability is considered a necessity condition for science, then disciplines such as archaeology, anthropology, cosmology, and paleontology must be excluded from science as soon as they discover some unique artifact or feature in nature. Since those disciplines are included within the realm of science, despite their unrepeatability, intelligent design also must be included. The repeatability objection therefore fails to exclude ID. Other objections to ID status as a science is also readily answerable. The answers presented here, however, suffice to demonstrate that ID does not have to prove that it is a science, it already is. Popular atheist Richard Dawkins surprisingly agrees. Listen to what he said. He said, the presence or absence of a creator superintelligence is unequivocally a scientific question. So once again, the hypocrisy of those who are atheists and agnostics and skeptics trying to suggest that repeatability disproves intelligent design. And then objection 10. What does it say? It says that intelligent design is an argument from ignorance. In other words, they're saying that there is no proof of an, of design. So therefore, since there is no proof, it's just based upon ignorance, then it can't be true. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's called the God in the gaps objection. The argument from ignorance objection is perhaps the most common criticism that's leveled against intelligent design. In an argument from ignorance, the lack of evidence against a proposition is used to argue for the truth. For instance, a typical argument from ignorance might be ghosts and goblins exist because it hasn't been yet shown that they don't exist. The proponent of this view believes the lack of evidence against ghosts and goblins is evidence for their existence, which of course is logically absurd. According to critics, design theorists argue for the truth of ID simply because design has not been shown to be false. But in closer inspection, let's take a look at that. However, it is the Darwinists who are arguing from ignorance. Darwinists frequently charge that just because it's not known how complex biological systems evolve doesn't mean that Darwinism isn't false. It's false, rather. If Darwinists can't explain how complex biological systems evolved, however, what right do they have to claim such systems evolved in the first place? Lacking an evidentially based model for how certain biological structures evolve means that Darwinists are arguing from ignorance. In these encounters, Darwinists will often attempt to turn the tables, suggesting that ID reasons from, gee, I can't see how evolution could have done, could have been done. To the conclusion, shucks, I guess God's must, God must have done it. This misrepresents ID. When we explain complex biological systems, we do not infer design merely because naturalistic approaches to evolution fail. We infer design not from what we don't know, but from what we do know. We have empirical evidence for this capacity of intelligent agents to design irreducibly complex systems such as the bacterial flagellium. The bacterial flagellium is a bidirectional motor-driven propeller on the backs of certain bacteria. Pay attention here. 
Human engineers invented motors like this long before the flagellium was even discovered. If we apply the same reasoning to the flagellium as we do to human technology, it is obvious that the, the flagellium bears the marks of intelligence. ID is a positive argument from what we do know, not from ignorance. Many evolutionary biologists pretend that the house of evolution is in good order, but occasionally a few come clean about the disarray that's taking place within it. University of Chicago biologist James Shapiro, for instance, admits that there is no detailed Darwinian accounts for the evolution of many fundamental biochemical or cellular systems, only a variety of wishful speculations. University of Iowa uh, Dr. David DePuy likewise concedes. He says, I could not agree more with the claim that contemporary Darwinians lacks models that can explain the evolution of cellular pathways and the problem of the origin of life. There are currently no naturalistic explanations for the origin of life, the information content of DNA, the fine-tuning of the laws of physics, the privileged status of Earth, the irreducible complex biological structures, human consciousness, and morality. Given the lack of scientific evidence for these basic elements of life, it is more fair to ask, who is ignorant here? Naturalistic causes give no evidence of the adequately accounting for of any of these features in the universe. Intelligent causes by contracts have demonstrated this ability time and time again. And this, it's high time not only for ID to get the credit that it deserves, but it also is high time for Darwinists to get the discredit that they deserve. Intelligent design is a young research program that still has a long way to go. Darwinism, by contrast, has become an outdated dogma ready to be consigned to the trash heap of history. An evolutionary theory as developed by Darwin as prolonged by contemporary devotees is essentially a relic of failed 19th century economic theories about the competition for scarce resources. We, on the other hand, live in the 21st century, an age of information where information is limitless. ID's theory is the study of intelligently produced information. Despite all the protestations by Darwinists that ID is unscientific, ID is what they call the cutting edge of science. It's time to get on board. We thank you for taking time to join this Truth Matters podcast today. You pray for us until we are able to meet again. Thank God for you. Amen.